You're listening to The Happy Hour with Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez-Cleary, presented by Empire Fence and Netting on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back into the happy hour, 93.7, the ticket, the ticket, fm.com. Okay, so before we get to Steve, really quick, really quickly here, Husker Baseball just released their 2023 schedule. Now, first of all, it opens back up, their home slate opens up with Northern Colorado, and that's like a staple in Husker Baseball, if you, if you don't know. We love Northern Colorado. I, I would also add, now, from March 3rd to March 5th, Nebraska goes to the 2022 Cambria College Classic. It's hosted by the University of Minnesota, and it's played in U.S. Bank Stadium. Now, if you get this, on March 3rd, Nebraska plays Vanderbilt. Then they play Hawaii the next day. Then the following day, they play Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss is the defending national champion. Vanderbilt has won however many titles in the last however many years with a a laundry list of MLB alumni. Dansby Swanson, Mm -hmm. Kumar Rocker now. Um, just to name a couple. So they're going to get tested early on. Nebraska is, which they, is good. They they they'll play San Diego in a three game series starting February seventeenth. Then it looks like I want to say that's South Alabama's logo. It is. Okay, South Alabama February twenty fourth through the twenty sixth before they play or Vanderbilt, Hawaii, and Ole Miss in the Cambria College Classic up in Minneapolis at U.S. Bank Stadium, obviously the home of the uh, the Minnesota Vikings. That so. is a hell of a lot. Two, uh, three <laughs> yeah. games. It's a good like, one. I understand, you know, Hawaii is Hawaii, whatever, They'll, but you get Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. They go to – they host Omaha a couple times. They travel to Creighton a couple times. They travel to Kansas State. Um, they also travel to Omaha once as well. So there, there's a couple of interesting games. Just wanted to mention that. All right, let's go ahead and bring in Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska, who's uh, joining us off of his trip to the big house, the big house in Ann Arbor. Steve, what's up, man? How's it going? Hey, Nick. Hey, Rico. How you guys doing? Good. How big was the house? It was a big house. I, I'm not going to lie. It was a pretty big house. It was a pretty um, cold and, and wet house with all of that uh, flurry, with all the flurries coming down. But, you know, Honestly, like, you know, growing up a fan and uh, kind of just being in this um, business and writing about college football for the past two years, I've always kind of wanted to experience it. And it was my first trip up in up in Ann Arbor. And honestly, I couldn't have kind of pictured a better scene really with the flurries coming down, the snow coming down and, and just Big Ten football and and watching a really good um, Michigan team play football I, I don't know I, it was just a really cool scene for me personally okay let's actually dive a little bit deeper on that Michigan being a really good football team because I I, I believe that the the, the playoff is going to work it's it's juju it's magic like they always do and, and figure out a way to maybe snub the actual top four uh, teams in the country and it, in that case I, I think o, o, or excuse me Ohio State will beat Michigan so that would leave Michigan out of the playoff. I mean, could you imagine a scenario where Michigan and Ohio State could possibly get in? Um, probably not. No, I, I kind of share your share your opinion on it. They if they get beat by Ohio State, and um, I, I don't know. I just don't think that the the committee is to the point yet where they would put two Big Ten teams in. In my mm-hmm. personal opinion, so yeah, I, I just see the only scenario of. Michigan making it back there again is to you know take care of business against Illinois and then um, find a way to find a way to beat the Buckeyes again for a second year straight. Do you think they can do that? Beat the Buckeyes? 
Yes, I do. I, mm. I, I'm, I'm not sure I need to think about it a little bit more, but I do think that they're capable of it just because they have that mean streak in them. Once again, they they have the offensive line to do it, I believe, and they're pretty pretty stout up front. They sure as heck have the, the running backs to do it. And, you know, now now that they have a more of a, I guess, dynamic quarterback and J.J. McCarthy, a former five-star quarterback. Mm-hmm. We had some ups and downs against the Husker defense throwing the ball, but, you know, overall I think that he just gives that offense more of a dynamic touch, more of, more of a bite to it than um, the uh, – man, his name is escaping, escaping me, the, the starter who started the season. Cade um, McNamara. McNamara or, yeah, McNamara. Um, I just think that, you know, with J.J. McCarthy back there, he's – just brings a little bit more punch to that offense, and I and I just think that you know they they bring that toughness that and again what like I said with the line of scrimmage they have the offensive line the defensive line to to um, kind of pull off that pull off that upset again if you would consider it upset I, I think I would um, yeah Ohio State I agree uh, all right for uh, we're joined by Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska here on the uh, the happy hour let's. Let's talk from a program standpoint here for Nebraska because obviously the the overall question of of coaching and coaching search is still looming around this program. I, I want to get your thoughts because we've seen over not only over the last three weeks but over the the course of Nebraska being in the Big Ten Conference, the blueprint, and we really saw it on Saturday, the blueprint on how to be successful in this conference, and nonetheless the Big Ten West especially. It's it's build the trenches and figure out a sustainable running game, and everything else kind of takes care of itself and opens up, in my opinion. So when we look at this, the the future decisions of this, this athletic department uh, and basically who their next head coach is, how important is it that they build a solid foundation in running the game, running the ball, and, and having strong line play on both sides of the ball before they worry about all the skill positions and all the flash and all the creativity on offense. Yeah, I mean, we we here. I know my colleague Greg Smith, as well as Zach Carpenter, both believe that the top priority of whoever ends up being the head coach of Nebraska football program needs to just shore up and and be better at finding and developing the line of scrimmage players. So that's just both on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball because right now it's just not good enough to you know beat beat the Ohio States, the Michigans, maybe even the Penn States of the of the Big Ten. Um, that yeah, I mean you're absolutely right, Nick. The offensive line just needs the blueprint. The blueprint was right in front of us last week with Michigan, um, and they were never ever ever threatened in that mm-hmm. game at all, even though it was. I think 17 to three at halftime. It wasn't even that it didn't feel that close at all. It might as well have been a, a four touchdown lead, but yeah, I mean, it's just that. And when I tackle this question, I always try to remember like the big 10 West isn't going to exist in a couple seasons, but it's, you're still going to be playing big 10, big 10 football. And, and however, this big 10 conference ends up with UCLA and USC it's still going to come down to the line of scrimmage here against these teams every single year. And until Nebraska, you know, improves its talent identification with offensive linemen. And then once they get here, how they, how they develop them and, you know, not trying to force them to play earlier in in their careers, which might ruin things like it might've might have done with Turner Corcoran, Bryce Benhart, other guys who were forced to play earlier in their careers. Until they fix that part about it, mm-hmm. I just don't see this program moving forward. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that the offensive line, the defensive line, talent identification, and then developing them once they get on campus needs to be 
the top priority. The, the conversations, when you mentioned USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten right there, it made me realize, I think for the first time in a couple months maybe since we heard the news back in the summer, the, the conversations that we're going to have involving USC and UCLA and how they're trying to make their transition to the Big Ten, those are going to be super fascinating because USC is all about flash now, especially with Lincoln Riley there. Yeah. And UCLA's, you know, finding some success after a couple mediocre seasons with Chip Kelly. That Those are going to be really fascinating conversations when we talk about those teams adjusting to the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's those two who need to be adjusting to the competition, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you know, Lincoln Riley has things going at USC, and he's he's going to be bringing in really, really good recruiting classes and really, really good um, five-star quarterbacks, four-star quarterbacks who excel at that kind of spread, wide open, um, you know, get it and sling it offense. And, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. USC is probably going to have some success, but at the end of the day, you know, will, will USC be winning championships in, in the new Big Ten conference? I, I don't think so because I think that they're going to have to, you know, join join the fun in, in trying to shore up a, the line of scrimmage because, I, I don't know, I guess we might see during the bowl season, but I'm really kind of curious to see how uh, Lincoln-Riley-USC team stacks up against kind of these, these rough and tough Big Ten teams um, that they might see, and, and we'll, we'll start to see once they join the conference. So, um, yeah, USC has a lot of things going for it right now. They have incredible, incredible skill talent, and they play mm-hmm. a fun brand of football. But what look the same once they start playing the Iowa's, uh, the Illinois, the Ohio State's, the Rutgers, even the Penn State's. I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We're speaking with Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska. And Steve, kind of, kind of a two-part question here. The lack of development of a of a backup quarterback has kind of been the the problem for Nebraska the last couple of years uh, with with sticking with Adrian despite his struggles and possible injuries and, and and the lack of production from the backups and we've seen it you know at the forefront these last couple of weeks with the loss of Casey Thompson Chubba Purdy Logan Smothers haven't really offered much of of anything at the quarterback position so I, I guess the first part of this question is what does Nebraska have to do to, to you know shore up the the backup quarterback position uh, if Casey Thompson you know decides to stick around another year like w- what are they going to do with that and, and secondly who do you expect or who are you looking at to, to more than likely back up Logan Smothers if Casey Thompson can't go? And I, I don't believe Chubba Purdy is going to be able to go in these last two weeks. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Rico. If, if Mickey Joseph was correct in calling it a high ankle sprain, those things are notorious for taking time to heal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if that is the case, I don't expect to see Chubba Purdy the rest of the season for sure because that's it's kind of a serious, uh, serious injury that guys don't come back from. Um, in a quick matter of time. So, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting question because you always look at the offensive coordinator, and I just think that, you know, Mark Whipple had, has his offense so centered around Casey Thompson and so geared toward Casey Thompson that, you know, once Casey Thompson got injured, um, it, it just nothing nothing really fits for the, diff, the the quarterbacks behind him in Purdy and especially Logan Smothers, who, who I don't think – is necessary the correct type of quarterback to to run the plays that Casey Thompson wants to run and and Whipple has said you know all all year ever since the spring that you know different plays will be called for the different quarterbacks to come in but um, it, yeah it just it just hasn't worked out right now and and plus you know with all the injury situations it's such an odd odd situation because 
you know, Casey Thompson goes down with an injury. Okay. But, you know, Chubba Purdy goes in against, um, in the second half against Illinois. And then, you know, the, the week after that, <laughs> it's revealed that he was hurt and he wasn't able, and he missed practice time. And then it also was revealed last week after Michigan that Logan Smothers was also injured and, and wasn't, wasn't a full practice participant. So it's just crazy that the injury situation um, in the quarterback room, even throw Mark Whipple in there and getting accidentally hit on the sideline mm-hmm. and having to call the plays in, in the second half. I don't really know what you do with the quarterback situation right now because it goes along with, with the offensive coordinator. And like, I don't know if you want to call it hard-headed or stubborn or, or whatever, but you know, Mark Whipple is doing, doing it his, his way. And it's just kind of frustrating watching, um, watching, I guess, because I, I don't know, it's just nothing, nothing is working. Nothing is gelling it. Nothing is fitting with his, with his play calling right now as to who's, who's going to be, um, if, if Casey Thompson can't go, I don't expect Chubba Purdy to go. And Logan Smothers, if, if anything happens to him, maybe that, maybe that means Jarek Sinek, um, the, the walk on from, from Hastings. He got, he got the very last series, um, last weekend against Michigan. I remember when I covered, um, high school preps in, in York, Nebraska, I remember covering Jarek Sinek. So, um, he's got a heck of an arm. He's a gamer, but it's just kind of wild to think that he'd be the one next up. Heinrich Harburg, we didn't see him in Ann Arbor at all. Um, that that's maybe something that we'll have to ask tomorrow when we talk to to Mickey Joseph. And I know uh, Richard Torres is is likely not an option at all as it's his first year of college and he's rehabbing through that ACL injury. And earlier in the year, um, Mickey Joseph was asked about if Richard Torres was going to be an option, and, and he just flat out said no, not yet. So, yeah, I mean it's just not a really great. I wrote it in a column after the game. It's not a really great situation right now for Nebraska's. Um, quarterback room and, and offensive coordinator right now. Steve, last one before we let you go. We're talking to Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska. Switching over to basketball real quickly. Nebraska, hey, 2-0. Um, not not necessarily the prettiest kind of basketball, but they got it done first time under Fred Hoiberg that they're 2-0. and They play in the Gavit tip-off games on Thursday against St. John's. Fun little note here. They are 1-3 and all-time in the Gavit tip-off games. The last, the only time they've won was back in 2018 against Seton Hall. They won 80-57 to here in P- at PBA. They traveled to St. John's on Thursday. I mean, what what does Nebraska have to do? St. John's, obviously, the best opponent that they're going to face through these first three games here. What does Nebraska have to do? What have you kind of seen? Just some, some overall thoughts there before we let you go. Yeah, I think that might be just kind of like a, a gritty, dirty, low-scoring game, in my opinion. Um, I Fans will get to if you want to look, learn a little bit more about St. John's. They're going to be um, on FS FS one or FS two, one of them on on Tuesday against Central Connecticut, so you can get a look at what St. John's brings. But yeah, I, I think um, I don't know. I just kind of feel a little bit good about Nebraska in this game. I know that's wild to think mm-hmm. considering what we've seen the past few years, but I don't know. I just think that Nebraska has has an ability to maybe muck things up and get a little bit dirty, play some defense. And do just enough on the offensive side, uh, offensive side of the ball. I like what I've seen from Sam Sam Grisell so far. Uh, big point guard. A lot of the veteran guys have stepped up. A big thing is uh, this week. If we get to talk to Fred Hoiberg, who's going to be the the health of Juwan yeah. Gary and, and his shoulder. He didn't play most of the second half um, in the previous game with with kind of tweaking his shoulder. So 
his his status is going to be really important. But I don't know. I, I'm kind of I'm I'm bullish on Nebraska here. I'm going going and picking up a win at, at St. John's. Yeah, it's just, it just kind of feels like they're somewhat more of a team this season, yeah. which which can provide some excitement for Nebraska fans. Okay, so St. John's two and zero on the year. Also, they've beaten Merrimack and Lafayette. Like Steve said, they play Central Connecticut State tomorrow night at on FS two at 7 p.m., uh, so you can check them out. So, like we're saying, it'll be for Nebraska's first real test. It'll also be St. John's first real test as well. All right, Steve, appreciate the time as always, man. Sorry we kept you a little bit long, but uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. No, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. That is Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska. Appreciate him as always. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we got a crossover coming up. Nate Strick, join us. Um, time, to, time to talk about the Colts a little bit. Stick around. Stick around. That's the only advice we'll have. We'll come uh, come right back, and we'll wrap up Monday's show coming up next. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. More of the happy hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.